Good morning. I'd like to welcome each one uh, to Sunday morning service this morning. Pray that you uh, feel at home, that you can relax and sit back and uh, worship the Lord and be filled this morning to go out to another week to face what is ahead. Uh, today is Memorial Day. Uh, we <coughs> tend to overlook what the real meaning of Memorial Day is, and that's to honor the fallen soldiers that have died on the battlefield. On the first date that, well, this was in 1868, uh, after the Civil War, that they went out and uh, put flowers and uh, honored the, the ones that have uh, died on the battlefields and from then on each uh, May the, around May 30th that uh, this is a holiday that we celebrate and enjoy uh, either through vacation or uh, going out to the beach, the mountains but uh, the real meaning is to honor our soldiers that have died for our freedom for us to sit here this morning. Uh, in the way of announcements, uh, if you're a visitor this morning, if you're not, I still consider you a guest, that um, there's connection cards in the back of the seat to fill out. And uh, we're thankful that uh, giving to the church and uh, yeah, if you have a check or money to give in the, in the box in the back or go online to give, uh, uh, we're very thankful for that to keep our uh, operations going here at Cypress Church. And, yes, ma'am. <laughs> well, great. Oh, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of bad stuff going all over the world. Um, even here in the back streets of West Monroe. Uh, on our Wednesday night, uh, come prepared to eat uh, taco salad or taco soup. Uh, come and enjoy by all. Uh, as I know of that um, Brother Matt and, and Nicole is packed up and on their way. Uh, but with a few uh, sidelines <laughs> that their son dropped a desk on, their, on his toe and broke it. So that really added to the day, I'm sure. Uh, next Sunday, uh, we will have a special call business meeting to vote on the bylaws, and there will be no circle uh, afterwards. And also, you notice in, the, in our bulletin that uh, Miss Geraldine's new address. Uh, take note of that and uh, drop her a, a, a line. Also, our scripture for today is from John the 15th, 13th verse. No greater love has anyone laid down his life for his brother. And uh, I can't help but to remember that on Memorial Day that uh, Christ laid down his life for our sins and for us. That uh, we can't let a day go by without remembering that what great sacrifice Jesus died for us. Let's all join in singing this morning. Won't you stand with us this morning as we start our service with joy. And you cannot sing a song of joy without a smile on your face, okay? So let's see those smiles this morning. There is joy in the Lord.
when you sang that. <laughs> if you're still able to stand, let's continue with our next selection. Good, good father. I've heard a thousand stories of what they Tender whispers of love in the dead of night you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who I am, it's who I am. I see many searching for answers, far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers, only you It's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. It's who you are, it's who you are, 
It's who you are, not loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Father, it's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Amen. Amen. Children, it's time for you to go to your classes. You may be seated, please. When I was listening to that song, what a wonderful thought that uh, brings back memories of your dad and your thoughts that you can go to him and knowing that uh, he uh, can help you. And just like our Heavenly Father, that we know that we can go to him and knowing that he will help us in each and every way. And this morning as we go to prayer, we have quite a number, a lengthy list of uh, people to remember uh, the family and victims of uh, Uvalde in Texas where the gunman killed a bunch of innocent children and teachers and also John Spires and I understand that he went through the surgery if those that hadn't heard that he had broke his hip and uh, remember Shirley that she's <clears throat> facing the surgery, Lonnie Swan, Andy Balsamore, Dale Green, uh, Randy and Karen Odom, Bridget uh, Somerville, Judy Bearden, uh, Trevor Adcock family, Gail Masters, Vicki's cousin, uh, Mabel Saxton, and Sandra Saxton. Uh, <clears throat> Marie and L.B. Honeycutt, Bonnie Sanders, uh, Gidget Sanyo, and uh, Ms. Wilson, Carrie Hartman, uh, the Ukraine affair, and also our pastor and family in there traveling, Jerry Crane, our leaders, our church, shut-ins, the lost, our missionaries, uh, also remember Matt's son, uh, he was helping load yesterday and dropped a desk on his toe and broke it. <laughs> also remember Amy Coates that she has COVID and it looks like that just won't give up trying to get us all down. But uh, we have a father that's stronger than each of the things that we face that will help us. As we go to prayer, uh, let us all join in one accord. Dear Father, we pray that you will help each one of these requests through it be in body or mind or spirit that you can touch each one and give them wholeness in their life. Restore their strength, restore their faith. We pray that you will uh, bless Brother Ray as we lift him up this morning. Pray that you will anoint him with the Spirit as he speaks to us this morning. Give us the word that you want us to hear and that will encourage us and will challenge us to grow. Help us to go forward for you and end it this summer as the children are out of school. We pray for guidance and leadership in their lives. That we will, as parents and grandparents, will help them to stay positive, stay focused on the things that are uh, at hand, that we will help them to grow. God direct in our life and in this day and this next week, uh, give us strength in our lives and direction as we go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Conrad. Glad you're here today. Thank you for being here. 
holiday weekend and I appreciate very much your faithfulness. Thank you to all who are online. I've already spoken to a few this morning that I know are watching that can't be here and at both our churches here and over in Monroe, COVID's kind of hit a few folks again. So uh, praise the Lord, it's not being serious so far, but uh, uh, glad you're here. And uh, obviously we love Brother John and we're hopefully, he's, he might be watching it on his phone this morning. Uh, we love, love him and I'd rather be here than the best hospital in the United States. I mean, even one of those $5,000 a night rooms, I'd rather be here. How about you? There's a lot of praises that we have. Uh, Vicki was sharing with me about her cousin, Gail Masters, being in you know, intensive care with like COPD, COVID, pneumonia, on a vent, in a coma, and then she pulls the tube out, wakes up, and goes home. Wow. I'm trying to remember my way home. You know what I'm saying? It's just God's good. And I just talked to the hunts and they are finally rolling. They have <laughs> two 26-foot trucks. Two. They got one big one and started and didn't get very far and realized it was half full. And then the professional guys came to help them kind of load up a little bit and said, you need another truck. So they went and got them another truck. So... Two, two big, big trucks and dollies pulling cars and the caravans rolling this way. So pray for that. And actually the uh, desk fell on his foot, on Quentin's foot, and that's what they thought was broken. But as a result, it's kind of odd. It ended up breaking just his toe, which is a blessing, but still bad. But he's feeling good today as well. A couple of little things I want to reach out to you. A lot of work's been done behind the scenes in about the last two months and really some things became apparent when we were in the pastoral search process. The leadership team, the business team, the bylaws committee and the entire church council have, have helped um, and I really want to thank Randy. He's done a lot of work with his experience in churches and so what we've done is taken the bylaws and we've tweaked them a little bit, try to clean them up, get them to fit uh, what we're doing and also to allow for the possibility for those who participate to have absentee ballots, which currently our process doesn't really allow. So be sure today that if you think you might be here next week, that you'll sign the list because that forms the quorum under this current bylaws. Lord willing, if this passes, and, and I believe it will, it should, so far it's been unanimous all the way across, we won't be doing that anymore. You'll just sign the day of. So, needed to sign up last week and or this week, and you'll have to sign up again next week. But again, it'll be your last time to have to sign up two or three times, okay? We'll take care of that. Uh, so, be aware of that as well. I wanted to make sure that you were aware of that as well. Also, we have a need. We're growing on Wednesday nights and we have children, praise the Lord, and we're going to grow more. And I want to have children here every Wednesday night. Amen? Amen. So what we need is someone who would be willing to be a part of a rotation to uh, serve uh, the kids, do a lesson for the kids on Wednesday nights. You know, we have youth covered uh, through the summer and we've got August I believe covered so we just need someone that would help us in June on Wednesday nights and July. So if you would please consider that or if you can take a few Wednesday nights if you see me, uh, Sherry, anybody, anybody you think you want to tell and we'll all tell Sherry. <laughs> So be sure, uh, please do that. I, I, I hope that you will do that as well. Okay, if you'll take your outline, and it's very detailed today. Well, today's hopefully going to be a little fun. There'll be some definite serious things, but hopefully a little fun. But we're going to talk about, we're on a series that's kind of using the, uh, the TV show Fixer Upper. And we're talking about fixing up our house, meaning our home, our life, our families, especially families. So it's kind of a family series. And we uh, started, of course, Mother's Day happened to be the kids' room. We had to get out of whack. But obviously, you start with the foundation, the cement, the setting, the, you know, getting the foundation of your life. What's the foundation of your family and all that? 
And then we went to the family room and how getting along with one another is important and all those different things as well. And the living room and how important that is. Today we're talking about the playroom or the game room. And I appreciate Vicki kind of helping us set up some things for, for kind of getting us to think about that. So today we, we think about that. Um, does anybody in here know where the first miracle of Jesus was? Recorded. Let me back up. First recorded miracle. Yes, it was a wedding. He went to a wedding celebration. And if you haven't seen The Chosen, uh, you really need to see it. That episode's really, really, really good. Really powerful. Uh, and so Jesus' first miracle, and it wasn't that he was going there to do a miracle. His mother was good friends with the, uh, the bride's mom, and she was there helping out like all you wonderful ladies do so much. And he wanted to, you know, go be with his family. His mom had asked him. He brought his disciples and, of course, turned it into a teaching moment as well. And Jesus did his first recorded miracle at a wedding. And I thought about it. That's because marriages need miracles. Can I get an amen? If you're not married yet, God bless you. You don't know what you're missing or growing or learning. Yes, that's obviously one thing. So I'm going to turn to a text. I'm going to read out of the New Living Translation, John chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the wedding celebration. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. And, of course, Jesus says, Dear woman, that's not our problem. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, Do whatever he tells you. <laughs> Moms have some uh, leeway. Standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, Fill the jars with water. When the jars were filled, he said, now dip some out, take it to the master of the ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it came from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first. Then when everybody's had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best till now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother, his brother, and his disciples. I want to pray. Father, take this text and these other scriptures, Father, and just... Allow your word to not go forth void. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us. Lord God, can we be molded, moved, shaped to be where you want us to be, to become what you want us to become. Whether we're here in the sanctuary, whether we're in a hospital bed, whether we're at home, Lord, with an illness, regardless of where we are, Father, we pray that you would just we give you permission, we ask you to do a work in our heart. We love you, we need you. And all God's people said. Amen. Even though Jesus didn't really want to do this, obviously he did what mom wanted him to do and he blessed it. So on your outline there, I've got what word would you use to describe your family? What's the word that you would use to describe your family? It could be a lot of words. Now, I don't know if I'd write this down, particularly depending on who you're sitting next to. Okay, this is just uh, for thought, and we don't have a set word in there. It could be, well, I'll be honest, our family is tension, stress. It is stress, stress. Probably would be the number one word in the world anyway. Out there would be stress. Busy. 
How many of you can say yes, busy? Oh my goodness. If you've got kids, can you imagine Matt and Nicole with four kids and what they've been trying to do to load up, sell what they could, give away what they could, get it all in two big trucks? You know, busy, stress, you know, all that going on. What about orderly? Some people have real orderly homes. Bless their hearts. You know, they have real orderly homes. Everything's in order. Uh, some, it's very loving. I don't know, it might be a loving home. One thing I love about home is when I come home, there's love. I hope there is love. I hope that's a good place for it. What describes your home? So that's what that word is there. And so many are caught up with making a living and the stress of life and working and raising the kids that we forget to live. Do you agree with that? Making a living, but we never take time to live. I think God wants to set aside some time to live. In fact, we'll talk about that uh, just in a minute with a scripture. Fun and joy is not superficial when it's done according to God's plan. It's not done in an evil way or a temporary way. It's done according to God's plan. And being a Christian above all things should be about joy. Do you agree with that? In fact, I was thinking about that. And I'm kind of kind of going to digress. But on your outline you've got John 10, 10, B. John 10, 10, let's start with the beginning of it. And, and, and I'm doing it off the top of my head. Satan comes to kill steal and destroy but I come that you might have an abundant life life and life to the fullest and I want to tell you no more have you ever seen that than this week it's every day all the time but this week Satan starts tempting us all the time with little things and usually it's a pleasure it's something not that bad it's a white lie pink lie purple lie green lie I don't know what it is you know it's always a lie but it's not that bad a lie uh, it won't hurt to do this it's just you know it feels good whatever it is and, and you know and think about all the young people the first drink they took you know of alcohol and all that and then what time goes on and how it works do you understand what I'm saying? It's a slow fade. But his goal is to kill, steal, and destroy. And that young man that walked in that school was satanic. He was controlled by Satan. I'm not going to cut any punches. I'm not getting into any politics. But the whole thing there, you cannot go in and kill children without being satanic. And I'll tell you something else. Wednesday night we talked about it. You can read the Bible. Balak was a god where they sacrificed children to. And throughout time, evil people like what Hitler has done and you, what Herod did to the children in, in, in Bethlehem. You think about it. The, the, anything that kills children, Satan's always involved. You think, oh, that's horrible. Oh, my goodness. That's the true Satan, people. He's evil. He's terrible. He's wicked. He's beyond anything we can imagine. But he presents himself kind of like in sheep's clothing. And that's how he does it in our life. He, even when he tells the truth, it's half-truths because it's got to be a lie because he's the accuser. So one of his best things he do to, do, does to you and I is when we mess up and we all do and we all fail, guess what he does? He loves to remind us how we messed up. And it's like, oh, I don't want to remember that. Of course you don't. I don't either. God's going, I distinctly remember forgetting it, forgetting it, forgetting it. You're my child. I love you. Let go. Live above it. Don't let that guy draw you down. Satan comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Folks, the real joy in life is God and Jesus Christ in life. You talk about freedom. I have come to give you freedom. I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. And I'm telling you, Christians, particularly all my melancholy brothers and sisters, you know, there's four basic personalities, and all of you have got two of them. Some of you might be messed up and have all four, which means something's wrong. That's a whole nother deal. That's those Wednesday nights we went through personalities. But... Here's what I'm saying. All my melan melancholy folks that tend to see the glass half empty and, you know, everything's got to be done. All I'm saying is really above all things, we as Christians should have joy. 
There's joy in the Lord. We should have joy. And for some of us, we need to work on it. Some of us, we need to let go and let God. It takes less energy, less muscles to smile. Let's try that. You need it right now. Smile. Woo, y'all look good. And remember, I have one eye that's got a cataract I need to get fixed. So y'all look like a glamour photo. I just want to tell you, if I do that, y'all look so good. There's no blemishes. It's just smoky. You know, it's good. Woo. Isn't that a beautiful scripture, what Jesus did? Now look, I know th we go through struggles. Y'all, all my sermons, I cover that all the time. And life is tough. But with Christ, we should have joy. I love Proverbs written by Solomon, the wisest human that ever lived. says, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. And we've got too much depression, broken spirits in this world. I think probably one of the greatest witness tools that we can have as a Christian is live in this sick world with all these things that happen and exude joy to our neighbors, to people in the war zone, Walmart's line. That's the war zone, okay? Wherever we are, that's what we can do. Show love, like kind of have a smile that comes from God. So how do we rebuild or make over our playroom and our families? Well, I'm glad you asked. The playroom is involved in putting fun back into families, joy back into families. And the first one is this, intentionally build play into your personal and family schedule. Intentionally build play into your personal and family schedule. Many times we're so busy that we forget to schedule play into our marriages or whatever. I'll tell you what, particularly, I don't even know how I did what all I did, but particularly when I was tri-vocational, I had three full-time jobs, I put my schedule against most anybody. And, you know, part of, most everything was involved in God's work and trying to help people and all these things. But here's what I'm saying. If I didn't force myself to take some time off and I didn't force myself to to spend some time reading the word, force myself to have some time reading and meditating or getting away or just sitting in a stand somewhere, you know, in the woods or whatever. If I didn't do that, I wasn't really very good. You know what I mean? I wasn't tuned into God and I wasn't really very effective. I'm not going to be a good husband. You know, I, I get kind of like... Uh, we were talking about with Gene, you know, when he comes home from work to Donna. Remember that? You know, we have a bad day at work and, you know, somebody don't set the forms right and it was a rough day, comes home. Who are we going to take it out on? Who we come home to? Police officers have bad uh, marriages, tend to have a lot of struggle staying up because they deal with stress all day. Guess where are you taking home? That's what we do, and that's how we do. So it takes, it's important. I, one of the neatest things, there's so many neat things. I was blessed with a wonderful youth group. One guy, and you'll hear about this later and, and when we talk about the family office, but helped me with finances, and it just changed my life as a youth leader. Another one was a psychologist who didn't know he was, and he was fantastic, and he was awesome. And early on in our marriage, we didn't have a lot of money. I mean, trust me, I knew we used to buy four pot pies for a dollar, and Kroger didn't have bottoms. They ripped you out. You didn't have bottoms in the pot pie. If you cooked them and turned them over, <laughs> it was open, okay? Banquet, you were moving up. Marie Callender, you were, oh. <laughs> it don't get no better. That's Marriott. Okay, and, and all I'm telling you, I was poor, but one thing we did, my wife and I, you know, and, and as we raised Brooke and, and the other girls that lived with us that, that were not actually ours that we raised, I will tell you, we always had one trip every year, if it's just two or three days, we have one trip together to be kind of just us, romantic or whatever. It might be another couple with us because we didn't have any money. We went skiing a lot in Colorado and we would have three or four couples that rent this beautiful condominium. And so, you know, we could split the price, but we had a trip together. Then we, obviously any parent here knows, you know, and that takes commitment. 
And I want to challenge you to consider that. The other thing is, we always, uh, obviously with our kids, we would take a trip together, whether it's Disney World later when you had money, and right now you'll need to go to the bank before you go to Disney World. But wherever you go, it could be Six Flags over Texas, Magic Springs, or just to, you know, camping, or whatever it is, you spend time with the kids and do the family thing. And then another thing is, I always did something with the guys once a year, and she did something early on with her mom. Her and her mom were really tight. If they were together, there was laughing going on. I mean, it was fun. So the guys got together, and, and we would do a guy trip and all that. And you think, well, four vacations, four weeks. Well, yeah, later in life, I had all kinds of time and weeks and paid vacation and all that. But early on, it might only be a three-day trip or a four-day trip. It all added up to maybe a week and a half or two. But those were things that I had to commit to do. Ecclesiastes 3.12.13 on your outline. So I concluded there's nothing better for people than to be happy and enjoy themselves as long as they can. And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor. For these are what? Gifts from God. How many of you know every good and perfect thing comes from God? If it's good, if it's perfect, if if it's even a funny, healthy, clean joke and it makes you smile, it came from God. There's no twinge to it. It's the best. My wife and, <laughs> my wife and I the other day just hugged. And I don't know the way we met and hugged. We just started laughing. And I squeezed her. She squeezed me. And we started laughing. And all I know is we just laughed and laughed. We don't know why we laughed. We just laughed. Well, let me tell you, that come from God. That was good. It was great. By the way, TMI, I'm sorry. Move on. Okay. How much, how many of you think, how many of you think God is stressed all the time? God's up in heaven. I'm telling you, some of us in this room think God's just going, whoa, I didn't know that. I got to zap this. I got to do this. I got to do that. God's not stressed. He's never said, I didn't know that. Never. Because we can't get it, but he lives in the future, the present, and the past all at the same time. There's no boundary. He knows what's going to happen. It's amazing. It's awesome. God's not a grouch. God has joy. In fact, Google it. Ask Rabbi Google. Rabbi Google Scriptures on joy, is God happy? Was Jesus happy? Google it. Life was meant to be enjoyed, not stressfully endured. Do you believe that? All right, number two. Hold up, I got to tell you something. There was a guy that my dad got to know years ago, and he actually became a famous pastor, Robert Shuler. And he was on a book tour. He pastored a church out in California, later built this real crystal cathedral stuff and all that. And I've been there. And uh, he was on a book tour. And when he came back, uh, his secretaries were going through, you know, all his schedule. And he said, and remember, tomorrow you have a lunch schedule. They auctioned off lunch with you. And when the secretary gave him who it was, he realized they paid $500. This is back in the 80s maybe or something like that. $500 to have lunch with him. And when he looked at it, he realized the person had spent their life savings to do it. Because it was his own daughter. Now you know then, you're too busy in life if your kid has to schedule and pay for a lunch with you. And I don't know who that's for here today, but that's for somebody. Number two, don't use your family as your doormat for stress. Not saying anybody in here has ever done that except Gene. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, we tend to do this, and probably we've all done it. We have a bad day at work or a bad day shopping. Like if... You <laughs> You know, ladies, I love you. You can go to the mall and you can shop all day and not bring home a thing. Um, and you enjoyed the experience and you went shopping. 
I cannot take that. And most men, it's difficult. I gotta, if I go to the mall with my wife, I say, tell me, what do you want, what color, what size? And I will cover from Dillard's on one end, or it used to be with Cray's, belts on the other. I'll conquer that mall and win and get you that shirt. And you try it on, you know, and, and you know, because women, they'll try things on. They'll try them on, look at them and all that stuff. And I don't know and all that stuff, feel it, touch it and all. Just get it. You've had a bad day at the doctor's office. I got it. You come home. We talked a few weeks ago about the antique road show. You know how people have things in their home they don't think are anything or junk. Come to find out they're treasures. Here's what I'm saying. We don't need to treat our children and our wives and our husbands like junk because they're treasures. That's all I'm saying. Grass is always greener over the septic tank. But the longer you stay there, the more it stinks. We love it over there. Well, they, they always have it good. Now, you need to be living a life where everybody in your neighborhood looks over and goes, Woo, they always got it good. What they got going on? And the moment they ask you, it's Jesus. I promise you it's Jesus. Because many times I wanted to slap them and Jesus took over. How many of you wanted to slap somebody in the name of Jesus? Sure you have. But you let the Lord take over. You know, kid drops his drink. I've done it before. You know, kid does this, does something, and you're stressed about other things, and they fall, fall off, you know, and it just happens. It does. 1 Peter 3, 7, In the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. And by the way, it's vice versa. Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. If you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. Husbands, you wonder why your prayers aren't answered sometimes? I want you to think about it. Everybody in here. So I'm going to pick on sweet Brooke. Brookie, because that's what I named my daughter. If I've got a problem with Brooke, and we really have problems, and i got a problem with her. She may not have a problem, but I have a problem. Guess what? i got a problem with God. Oh, no, me and God are good. It's all between me and God. And all. No, if I can't get along here with those I see, and she's my sister in the Lord, and I mean, it's hard for me to talk about her because I love her. I've known her for a little while, and you know, but I'm, I'm playing this part. If I've got a problem with her whom I love and I see on this earth and she's part of my church family and a part of me, then I've got a problem with God. More importantly, God's got a problem with me. You, you read the scripture? It's, it's, it's linear. They all go together. And the intersection is me. Me. Now, can you have perfect relationships with everybody? No. Bible says as much as it depends on you, you get it straight. And I'm not talking about boundaries of abusive people. That's a whole other thing. But as much as it depends on you, you live in harmony with one another. And of course, Ephesians 6, 4 tells us fathers don't make our children angry the way we treat them. Some of us were raised in pretty abusive homes. And that's not godly. That's, that's obviously not godly. Thirdly, don't attack minor issues with a nuclear bomb. Don't attack minor issues with a nuclear bomb. There's a story in Berlin, Germany. Police were called to a house of a neighborhood that was repeatedly had loud noise and screaming coming from the house. When the police arrived to investigate it, they found a 72-year-old man named Vladimir who had an air raid siren and so it could be heard for blocks around and they were wondering what are you doing and the 72 year old man said and I quote my wife is annoying me so much she never shuts up I can't get a word in edgewise so I went out and bought me an air raid siren and when she starts up I turn it on well that's a nuclear reaction a bomb okay that's that's overkill and like I said earlier when a kid drops something or 
you know, your spouse drops something or the food isn't the right temperature or whatever, husband doesn't do something right, it could go either way, and we just go, Aah! you know, of course, at that moment, you need to step in Dr. Phil at that moment, right? Or somebody to go, Jim, it's all about you. You're the one with the problem. <laughs> you know, we're yelling and blaming the other person, and it's, it's that way. So joy can be destroyed when we just let it all hang out. Now, when we let it all hang out, we feel good. We let all our stuff out. And the person there, you know, their hair's blowing back and, you know. But for sometimes it takes them a while to not, they don't feel so good. Proverbs 14, 29, those who control their anger have great understanding. Those with a hasty temper will make mistakes. And let me go ahead and add to this. This is Ray Owens. Will not keep a job, will never have money. I can just go down the line and will never have a good marriage and don't have a lot of friends. You get what I'm saying? A hasty temper. There's nothing good about a hasty temper. If you go from zero to ticked in 2.5 seconds, whoo, you're going to have issues your whole life. Proverbs 19.11, people with good sense restrain their anger. They earn esteem by overlooking wrongs. You know what's good about overlooking wrongs and forgiving others? Forgive others as God forgave you. God's forgiven me of a lot, so I need to do a lot of forgiving. Now, I'm sure some of you don't have much forgiving to do, but I got a lot of forgiving to do. Proverbs 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to the anger, but a wise person quietly holds it back. Enough, enough said. That's obviously true. Number four, be willing to laugh at yourself. We're going to have fun here. Why in the world should you laugh at yourself? Number one reason, everybody else is. You wouldn't believe how many people laugh behind your back. You don't have a clue. None of you husbands or wives, don't do that right now. Don't. You know good and well people laugh at you. Sometimes when people mess up, we naturally blame others and blow up when really we ought to let it go. But sometimes we have too much pride and pride comes before a fall or destruction. That's what it tells us there. Pride ends humiliation. Humility brings honor. Oh man, I remember this. When we humble ourselves truly and go down in spirit and all, guess who the Bible says lifts us up? Our own energy? Mountain Dew? God. If you go down in true humility, God lifts you up. Apologize, I was in the woods yesterday trimming some trees with oak, and I'm allergic to oath at about 10.0, so there's going to be all kinds of water coming out of eyes and everywhere else. But again, y'all look wonderful. Proverbs 13.10, pride leads to arguments, and every, experience, every family's experienced this. That little scripture there, pride leads to arguments. Our own pride a lot of times, that's what the Bible talks about in James. Our own pride and our own stuff you know, kind of works it out. So how many of you can admit you've messed up before? Any takers? This is church. If you didn't raise your hand, we'll have confession. How many of you admit that you've at least one time made a fool of yourself? How, how many of you think your pastor can make a fool of himself? Get your hands down. <laughs> I remember, I told you it was young couples, you know, before I started realizing I could, my bones weren't as plastic as they uh, are. We used to go to Colorado and ski, and Dana, gee, she, her family, one of her cousins ran the Vail Ski School, so we were spoiled. Dana could ski. Woo! She could ski. So I had to learn how to ski, and I learned how to ski, and then the assertiveness of me took over, and then I, you know, loved to black. My knees couldn't handle it anymore. I thought I was cool. I had black Levi stretch pants on, man, and I was buff, you know. I was really something, and I had my wife, my baby girl. Man, she's coming up the 
ski lift with us. And if you haven't ever been to skiing, they don't stop the lift and help you off if you haven't ever been. It keeps moving. It don't matter if you're the governor. It don't matter if you're disabled. It's moving, okay, because it's moving. So we're going up and we get near a spot and we're just talking. I said, honey, my, my feet are killing me. I don't know what's wrong. I mean, man, all of a sudden they're just throbbing, you know, kind of relaxed a little bit. And I looked down and my boots were on backwards. <laughs> Not backwards, right on left. Well, that's important with ski boots because they're kind of real good ones. Are form fitted. You don't want any movement in there and you have buckles on them. And you don't want the buckles to the inside because when you're doing that, all it takes is a buckle to catch. You follow what I'm saying? And you're smoking down, you know, and buckle catches and things are not going to be good. <laughs> so we're going and we're sitting in all our other two couples. My best man at my wedding and his brother and their wives are there. And I said, honey, don't say a thing. I'm going to ski around that building right there and swap my boots around real quick. <laughs> when we got off, I turned, skied around there. And I'm sitting there, you know, in the snow taking my boots off. And I come around and all of a sudden they're falling over laughing. My wife told all of them. <laughs> and not only them... But the ski lift, there was another ski lift by it and all of those people were holding on as they about fell out while they were going by. For the whole, and you know, it, it was very humbling because I thought I was so cool <laughs> at that moment. And then after a while, I started laughing about it and I let go and it's still a historical fun thing. And those are really the best ones anyway, right? I probably, I need to get off the internet maybe to show that. friend of mine, and some of y'all know him, Steve Childs, very successful pastor. He had pastored a church in Olathe, Kansas that really grew. And they, it, it became a great church. Well, he was kind of like when me, when I go back to North Crossings, I'm going to have to introduce myself to all the guests. Well, he had a real close gal that worked in his office, was like a secretary. And when they came back to visit, he was a guest speaker. He saw her in, the car, in a car, in the SUV over there. So he said, honey and the kids, y'all go on. I'm going to go say something to Sarah or whatever. Well, he went up there and tapped or said something or did whatever, and she didn't. So he just plopped himself on the hood and put his face down on the, on the windshield, you know, kind of puffed it out. When she turned around, it wasn't Sarah. <laughs> oh, it gets better, Carvin. You'll love this. It gets even better. So he gradually sl <laughs> slides down, humbles himself. You know, I'm so sorry, so sorry. Well, he ends up going in and they put the mics on him and everything and, you know, and everything. And he's up on the stage and he looks out and there she comes in and she's greeting people and smiling and everything's good. And then she sees him and she ain't smiling no more. And she turns around, who's that guy? And, you know, you can see what's going on. So he turns to uh, the pastor and, um, and he says, who's that gal? I said, I've never seen her before. Said first time visitor, yeah. And he turned to me and he said, last time visitor. <laughs> now, I want to tell you, I believe God let that happen. God's got a sense of humor. It don't get any better than that. Sometimes I think God could stop something from happening. And he, I really believe this. And he goes, angels, no, uh-uh. <laughs> Angel, don't interfere. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I believe he cracks up. I wish you, I hope you believe that too. When we laugh at ourselves, it's gonna make your home a lot better. Do you agree with that? Laugh at yourselves. Bring laughter back into the home. Five, reclaim joy as a promise of God for yourself. Reclaim joy as a promise of God for yourself. Psalm 16, 8 through 9. 
I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken. And we had a bad week this week with a lot of things. But God is right beside you. No wonder my heart's filled with joy. Remember the Bible says in Psalms 139, there's nowhere in the earth, under the earth you can go that God won't be with you. I got subpoenaed to Congress one time and I was testifying I was scared to death. Man, I went through the motions, you did what you got to do, but I was nervous to death. Just like on TV with those big old mics and stuff. And, and I just go, well, God, you're with me. Could you sit on the left and the right? Well, the left was Democrats and the right was Republicans, and so I don't think God said either way. <laughs> just, you know, but I mean, I need it. I, it. It helps me to know God's with me. It would help you too, the same way all of us. When you really know, when you really, we talked about this Wednesday night, when you really know who you are, if if God could just impute into our brains who we really are, how much we're loved, and that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life, set in the blood of Jesus Christ, written in that book, we're His. We're His. It will make us have security, strength, power, and we'll want to live, right? You want to live. You have joy because your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Wow. I'm overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, Isaiah 61.10 says. For he has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I'm like a bridegroom in his wedding suit or a bride adorned with her jewels. How many of you Christ has forgiven you for everything you've done? I hope and pray it's all of us. If we ask him, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He moves it pretty far away. Not just from Monroe, not, well, we're in West Monroe. Not just from West Monroe to Monroe. It moves our sins right across the river over there. No, it's far as the east is from the west. It's gone. It's awesome. How many of you in here are thankful you're not the person you used to be? I think if you're sanctified and holy, you want to be better next year than you were this year, next week, all that learning. I loved my grandpa at 95. He still had a photostatic memory, died at 96, and he was 10 times more brilliant than I was at 95 even. And he said, God's, I don't know why he don't take me, but I guess he's still using me. Man, that's awesome. I want to have that drive and that energy. Do I every day? No. But I get in the Word, get fired up, and, and get there. Even on your worst day, the worst day you can think about, even on the worst day, you never, ever not know that you're a citizen of heaven on your worst day. On your worst day. Second, uh, Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 6.10. Our hearts ache because tough times come. But we always have joy. We're poor, but we have spiritual riches to others. We own nothing, and yet we have everything. Now I want to tell you, we're not exempt from the struggles of life, but we have something, hope. Months ago, maybe a year or so ago, I preached a message on hope. And then I was, remember that Star Wars thing I did on the new hope. We have hope. One day we'll be at a place where there's no sorrow. He'll wipe away every tear and all that. On this side, we're going to have sorrows. But take heart, I've overcome the world. That's true. That's so. I've had the privilege in life, because I've lived so long and in several states, to know some people that have a lot of money and a lot of people that are famous. And I want to tell you... I say a lot of people, five or six people that are very famous maybe. I've, I've got the privilege to know some of them. And I want to tell you, they're not really, been as a psychologist, I'm just telling you, they're not happy campers. I wouldn't trade my marriage with Dana or my relationship 
for the Kardashians, for anybody in Hollywood, really. They can have it. I, I mean, I wouldn't. I'd rather live in Monroe than Hollywood. Isn't that weird? Carvin, I'd probably rather live in Ecuador than Hollywood. Oh, I'd love to live in New York City and pay a million dollars for a piece of space. You know, you don't own anything below it. You don't own anything above it. You just have a piece of space. You know? Why do we always look somewhere else and we always think about it? I would love to, man, Johnny Depp's got it all. Are you kidding me? Oh, that's what we want. Now, here's power. The guy knew had a sister-in-law named Miriam, which really is Mary, who contracted Huntington's disease. I did research on that back when I was an undergraduate or early graduate school, first degree. And Huntington's disease is terrible. It's genetic, you get it, there's no cure, your brain rots over a period of time. That's just the bottom line. Terrible. The doctors were astounded why Miriam, well, the disease was going super slow. And it was just super slow in its, its effect on her. And so she had such a positive attitude that they put her into research. And trying to figure out why she had such an incredible optimism. Why was the disease going so slow? So the doctor said, I love this. Doctor said, so you attribute your attitude. This is the last guy after all the research. So you attribute your attitude uh, that you have this positive attitude and what all's happening with you with this disease to a higher power. And she said, yes, I do. And that higher power would be God. I love that. By the way, when they offer a higher power, say, yes, God did it. Or Jesus did it. You know, go ahead and say it. But this is even better. This has got Huntington's positive attitude going through this. This blows away all the superstars that ever are out there. On her refrigerator, she had two sayings. First one, with God, all things are possible. That's great. You'll love this second one. Dear Lord, on the refrigerator. Dear Lord, if you can't make me thin, make all my friends look fat. <laughs> Woo! I think God likes that. Didn't say be fat, look fat. What is the joy in your life? What's the fun factor in your home, worship team? What is it? What is it? Could it use, honestly, use some help? You know, life's not worth living if we don't have joy. If we don't have a playroom in our life, and here's what I've learned with this busy world, you're so busy with your kids, you're so busy with your grandkids, you're so busy with everything, you've got to put it on the schedule. Put fun in the schedule. Commit today to your spouse to look, honey, we're going to put some time to have fun, we're going to go get away, we're going to do something. And it's going to be work. It requires planning, commitment, and effort. So what can I do? I said plan. Get rid of the stress. Don't take it out on each other. Quit overreacting. Start laughing at yourself. And realize even though there's tough times, we can have joy. Jesus, at the bottom of your outline, has John 15, 11, and 12. I'm going to read 12. I think 11's on there. Jesus said, this is Jesus, I have told you these things that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love each other the same way I've loved you. So Jesus is saying, I'm commanding you, a new commandment I give you, love one another. And here's what I'm saying, when you love one another and you love me, I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, I came to give you salvation, 
All the evil's gone. You're set free. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the life. I'm with you always, no matter where you go. You never can be alone. I love you more than anything in the world, and I'm always with you. Could you at least have a little joy? Let's stand and sing.